We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. So welcome everybody. My name is Nick. I'll be leading us this morning. It's really good to be with you all. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to hand over to John, uh, who's going to give us some feedback from the, the Lifeline Network conference that has been taking place the last couple of days. So I'll just hand over to John. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Wow. Um, you know, sometimes you talk about something seems to hit the sweet spot. Uh, I think it's amazing what God's doing with this, guys. Uh, it, it's uh, just it's just God, Spirit of God. I mean, the, the responses that I've got coming in from these couple of days of conference, and remember, it was really just more of an opportunity to, to kind of meet and reconnect. But God has formed something based on his love in us for one another. And clearly, because of that, we've across the network been missing one another. And it just, it was just amazing, like a kind of, like a family reunion in many respects. And, and then God just came with his word as well. And uh, it's one of those things, and I do appreciate you standing with us in prayer uh, over these days for that. Uh, we've had the joy of, standing together and seeing people richly blessed over these couple of days and God's word going forth and uh, it, it's it's not easy doing all these things um, remotely but uh, the team did a great job and uh, I think we've got much to thank God for because it's yet another time where we've sensed God giving us something uh, to do and we've stepped out on it and uh, God has enabled us and uh, and, and really uh, his presence uh, I mean I've had comments about it it was a, it was a life-changing moment so let's thank God for that God is good and uh, he's giving us the opportunity uh, to serve him in a whole variety of different ways and of course the network is one of them so let's thank God back to Nick thank you John that's great. All right, we're going to spend some time in worship and there's a real opportunity this morning just to enter in um, and just come before God and see what he's saying. I've had a message through from Leone who has a real sense that God wants to bring emotional healing to people today. So as we just step into worship, there's an opportunity just to focus on God, focus on who he is, what he's done and what he's doing. And if you really you know, if you're struggling with your, your emotions, if you're, you're feeling low, there's a, God really wants to meet with you this morning. So I'm going to hand over to Mark. And I'd encourage you to stand if you can. Um, and let's really enter in and engage. Good morning, everybody. As Nick said, let's come together. Let's stand. Let's uh, worship Jesus and the King of Kings. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah 
louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah and I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery I raise a hallelujah Faith you lost your hold on me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemies, I sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder, in the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief Sing a little louder My weapon is a melody Sing a little louder Heaven comes to fight for me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. And I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, 
The King is alive. Father, we just thank you that death is defeated and the King is alive. It's your breath 
in our lungs so we pour out your praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out your praise to you testimony now uh, from Elspeth which we've got on video so if we could watch that now please that'd be great. And last Saturday morning I started to have a real sense of heaviness of being worn down by the lockdown and all the restrictions and I started to think oh, I just can't do this anymore today is the same as yesterday and, and so on. But right away, the words of the old song, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it, floated into my mind. And I realised that I had a choice. I could either build on the temptation, continuing that pattern of thinking and spiral downwards, or instead I could be glad that this was a new day that God had chosen to give, recognise that it was his and turn my thoughts to him, to worshipping him and and pursuing all that he had for the day and sure enough as I did that the feeling of heaviness lifted and so I'm really thankful that when we take God at his word to take every thought captive that he really does empower us to do so and this destroys the negative thoughts and leads us back to him. Wow what a, what a powerful testimony and we can hear that and think oh that's nice that's that's great for Elspeth but God has that for all of us this is the day that the Lord has made there is an opportunity for us to rejoice for us to be glad in what he's doing which may be beyond how we feel physically it may go beyond you know feelings of the current situation and how we're dealing with it but God has a place for us to come and rejoice and like Elspeth said he is faithful and he will bring that joy so let's focus on that as we go back into some worship with songs. Over to you, Mark. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Oh, God, seated on his throne, Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Oh, 
counsel to the Lord Who can question any of His words Who can teach the one who knows all things Who can fathom all His wondrous deeds Behold God seated on His throne Come let us adore Him Behold a King Nothing can compare Come let us adore Him Who has felt the nails upon His hands of sinful man God eternal humble to the grave Jesus Saviour risen now to reign Behold our God seated on his throne come let us adore him Behold the King, nothing can compare, come let us adore Him. Cause you will reign forever, and you will reign Come let us adore Him Behold our King Nothing can compare Come let us adore Him This next song I did it conference and I haven't sung it for a long long time it's a very simple song and as I sang it the truth of it just continued to, to grow in me God is so good in all things he is good so good God is so good God is so good He's so good to 
God is so good, hallelujah. God is so good, hallelujah. God is so good, he's so good to His life, He gave His life, He gave His life, He's so good to me. And He rose again, hallelujah. He rose again, hallelujah, he rose again, he's so good to me. Jesus, that you are good. You are good to us. We give you praise. Yeah, I just want to read something. It's from Psalm 100. Make a joyful no noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And Lord God, I just thank you that those words are true, Lord. Just like in that song we were singing, Lord God, you are good. You are faithful, Lord. You are our King, and we worship you, Lord. Thank you, God.
Marke wie Gott. Ja, das machen wir. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me for me it was in the garden he prayed and of my will but thine he had notice for his own griefs but sweat drops of blood for mine how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. We're singing how marvelous, how wonderful and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, His face I at last shall see, this will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me we're singing how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my savior's love for me
right, great. Just wanted to say a special welcome to anybody visiting, anybody new here for the first time, and also anybody from joining us, joining us from overseas. It's really great to have you with us. And we're really keen to get to know you. Um, and one thing we do, we go into breakout rooms at the end of the meeting, uh, which is just an opportunity to say hello to each other and uh, maybe meet some people that you haven't before. So we'd be really keen um, to say hello. There's no pressure to do that, but we will go into breakout rooms at the end of the meeting. And that is just a way that we can maybe get to meet some people. All right, great. I'm gonna hand over to Jeremy now, who's gonna be sharing with us this morning. Cheers, Nick. Thank you very much. You seem to always be grappling with uh, sunshine whenever I'm on, on Zoom calls. And today, there's just a, a really bright bit of sunshine rebounding off the, the window in front of me. It's casting some interesting shadows on my face. So apologies for, for, for that, but we'll, um, we'll work with it. Um, great. So if you could all turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Great. So we're going to read from Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church this morning. And we're going to be reading right from the very end of his letter. So we're going to zoom in on, on quite a small bit of scripture uh, this morning. Um, and it's the bit where he's kind of saying goodbye and, uh, and signing off his, his letter. And we're going to read from chapter 13, verse 11 through to the end of the chapter. So it says, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we're going to mainly focus in on, on verse 14 this morning, so the very last verse of that, that passage. Um, but I just wanted to kind of um, give a few of the, the verses before that, because I think it just gives a real uh, impression of Paul's heart when he's, he's writing this letter um, for the church. Just to give a bit, bit of context to who he's writing to. So this is the church in Corinth. It's one of the churches that Paul planted on his, his missionary journeys. Um, but this particular church has had a pretty rocky ride. Um, so we know that, you know, he planted the church and then he spent some time there, gathered a bunch of believers together uh, in Corinth and then continued his journeys and went to other places. And he started to get reports back that things were not OK in, in Corinth. And we really get that impression from uh, his first letter to the Corinthians. If you read that, you get, get a sense of, of what was going on. But there was division in the church. There were people going off different preachers. Some people said, oh, we want to listen to Paul. And other people saying, we want to listen to this guy. And Paul's like, no, you're missing the whole point. It's about Jesus. There were people taking each other to court, people claiming to be spiritually superior to one another. And then there was this sexual immorality in the church that people were, were proud of, that they weren't, weren't repenting of. So there's all kinds of issues um, with this church. We get the impression when Paul writes the second letter that we're reading from today, that God has been doing some work, that there's been some healing, that there's been some, some uh, restoration there. I think when you, you read these final words of his second letter, you really get that sense of Paul's heart for this church, that he wants them to be 
restored. He wants them to be unified. He wants them to be as one. Um, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. He even says, greet one another with a holy kiss, which definitely not something we do today, certainly not in COVID times. All the saints greet you. So that sense that they're, they're part of something bigger. It's not just a church off in Corinth, but it's a much bigger thing that God's, God's building. And then he finishes with this blessing, which is verse 14. And that's what we're really going to focus on uh, this morning. So verse 14, um, it's actually uh, a prayer that's, that's often recited in kind of Church of England uh, circles. I went to a Church of England primary school and we used to pray this quite a lot. We, it was called the Grace and we used to say it before we went home at the end of the day, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And as often happens when you repeat something again and again and again, you can become a bit numbed to the words and what they really mean. And I think even when, when we sometimes read Paul's letters, I don't know about you, but, but I certainly do this. When you get to the end of the letter, you feel like I've, you know, I've covered all of the good stuff, all of the main stuff in the letter. He's just signing off. You know, he's just saying goodbye. It's kind of like writing best wishes at the end of your email. There's not really anything significant to that, that bit of the letter. And you can kind of skip over it a little bit. Um, but we're going to do the opposite this morning. We're not going to skip over it. We're going to really dwell in it and particularly dwell in, in the last words of that verse. So what does he do? He mentions all three persons of God. So we know God is three persons. He's the son, he's Jesus, he's the father, and he's the Holy Spirit. It's sometimes called the Trinity. It's not actually mentioned in the Bible, but this is one of the few places in the New Testament where you have all three persons of God together like that. And, and it's quite interesting in that regard. But, but Paul gives a particular attribute, a particular word to describe each person of the Trinity, each person of God. He says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And to a degree, we could talk about any one of those today and spend the whole time talking about it. We could talk about about the grace of Jesus and how in many ways he is the embodiment of grace through what he did, through his sacrifice, his death and his resurrection. And, and now he's reigning um, at the right hand of God over us, that he he defeated sin. He freed us from sin. He forgave us of our sins and, and is empowering us to live free from that. That is the grace of Jesus. It's so essential to who he is. Or we could talk about how God is love and how that is his character. And, and it's revealed in, in his sending of his son to us. But in the interest of time, uh, we're going to hone in and focus in on, on the third one, which is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit this morning. Because I think there's something really interesting to grasp from that as well this morning. So the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So what is this fellowship that Paul is describing um, about the Holy Spirit? Well, the word fellowship here, the Greek word, I'm not going to go into what the Greek word actually is. Um, but translated it is kind of the closest word we get to what we talk about when we say shared life so shared life is something that we throw around a lot in this community and essentially we're getting at overlapping lives going deeper in our friendships deeper in our conversations sharing god's life between us um, and this word here fellowship that we see written in this verse is kind of the closest word that encapsulates that idea uh, that we have in the new testament and there's all kinds of concepts uh, bound into it, like you know, friendship, communion, 
sharing of, of life, of the life of God together, intimacy with God, comfort, um, the sense of, you know, encouragement, advocacy, coming alongside one another, nudges. And when you think about it, um, and, and the more I've kind of pondered this recently, I realized that all of those things are in some way essential to who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. It's through him that we have fellowship with God. Paul says, through the Spirit, we have fellowship with Jesus. We have fellowship with God. But we also have fellowship with one another through him, through the common spirit that we all, all share. And so this concept of, of fellowship, of friendship, of communion, of intimacy is so essential to who the, who the Holy Spirit is. Um, we've been talking a lot recently about supercharged Friendship, if you've been around for a few weeks, uh, you'll notice this is a recurring theme um, for us. But if you cast your minds back even further uh, before Christmas, before Christmas um, we were actually looking at uh, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and all the things that he does, the ways that he empowers us, the gifts that he gives us, whether that's word of knowledge or prophecy or, or healing or evangelism, all those different things. And I kind of think it's, it's not an accident that we've looked at these two things together, because I think that this concept of, of supercharged friendship, of going deeper with our friends, of exploring what does it mean to have not just surface level friendship, not just social or functional friendship, but real biblical friendship. I don't think that's possible without really leaning into the Holy Spirit and what he has for us, because I think that's, that's what he does. It's maybe not the only thing that he does. Um, it's maybe not the most outwardly exciting thing that he does. You know, prophecy is exciting. Healing is exciting. Evangelism is exciting. Words of knowledge. And that's often what we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit. But actually, I think the main thing, his bread and butter, the reason he exists is that concept of fellowship with one another and with God, going deeper in that friendship. It's his most defining, important characteristic. And so my challenge to us this morning and to myself, as much as all of you, is are we friends with the Holy Spirit? And in turn, is that reflected in our friendship with one another? Are we friends with the Holy Spirit or are we just acquaintances? Is he someone that we hope to bump into from time to time uh, at a meeting maybe or, or a conference or in worship or is he someone that when we need something we hope he'll turn up if we need healing or you know if we need a word from God we hope he'll kind of come in and, and provide that for us or is he someone that we walk with someone that we talk with that we're open and honest and and vulnerable with that we're transparent with is he someone that when we're facing difficulties or struggles he's the first person that we go to to talk about it and not vent to someone else or post on social media or, or whatever it might be. Because I think we will have supercharged friendship with one another to the degree to which we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Is it possible to have friendship without that? Sure, it is to, to a degree, but it's not gonna be at that level that we're looking for, that deeper level um, that we've been uh, talking about recently. So last time I spoke, I looked at the book of Acts and um, I looked at a core theme that, that runs throughout that book. And it was the theme of corporate prayer coming together to pray. 
and uh, Richard picked up again on that that last week. And that is a core theme of the Book of Acts, but there's another theme that runs through um, the history of the early church when you read Acts, and particularly if you read Acts um, quickly, you know, in a couple of, of sittings, you really get this coming through loud and clear. And it's the character of the Holy Spirit. When you read Acts, the Holy Spirit isn't just some ethereal, mysterious force. He's a person. He's a character. He has feelings and emotions. And he does all kinds of interesting things. He comes in tongues of fire, famously uh, at Pentecost at the beginning. When the believers pray for boldness, he comes in an earthquake and he shakes the room that they're in. He's someone that could be lied to. So Ananias and Sapphira uh, try to lie to the Holy Spirit and they bear the consequences for that. Obviously he empowers many miracles, um, as we know throughout Acts. He teleports someone, he snatches Philip away and transports him from one place to another suddenly. He comforts the church. So at one point it says they walked in the fear of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And again, elsewhere it talks about the Holy Spirit as a comforter. But he also speaks. At one point it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the ministry that I've given to them. And then it says the Holy Spirit sent them out. So it's the Holy Spirit doing this. And then he guides them. He forbids them from going to certain places and he leads them into other places and on and on and on throughout the whole of the book of Acts. He's a character. He's so central to, to what's happening. But what's the greatest thing that the Holy Spirit does in Acts? He builds the church. He takes a group of people who are disparate, diverse. They're coming from different nations. We learn at the start of the book of Acts. They have different political views, different theological positions. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. And he takes that group of people and he builds them into a church, into the body of Christ, into a temple for himself, a temple for the Holy Spirit, as Richard reminded us last week. That's the most amazing miracle that, that the Holy Spirit did. And it's what he's doing in, in 2 Corinthians, what Paul is, is praying over that church. And it's what he's doing today amongst us. And I don't know about you, but there's something freeing for me when I think of uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. And I realize that it's not down to me. It's not down to my effort, my effort in, in trying to be a better friend, in trying to call more people, or spend more time walking around Goodmates Park or whatever it might be. It's not down to me. It's down to the Holy Spirit to build his church. And I just get to play a part in that. I just get to be led by him as I lean into him and pursue that fellowship and communion with him. I was really struck by a testimony recently. And it was Sam Warlow's testimony. And she was talking about um, a parent in her school. She's a teacher. And this parent was facing a number of difficulties. And Sam kind of had the, had the thought, oh, I could, I could pray for this lady. Um, but then she thought, ah, but that's not the kind of thing I normally do. That kind of scares me a bit. I don't quite know how I'd do it. How would I get the opportunity? What would she think? But she prayed about it. And God worked with her and opened up an opportunity, a space for her to offer to pray for this lady. And she did. And the lady was, was blessed in that. But Sam said something which really stuck with me after that. She said, it stopped being about me and it became about something inside of me, the love of God inside of me that just had to get out, that just had to pray for that lady 
it wasn't about my own thoughts or insecurities anymore. It was about what God was doing inside of me. And I listened to that and I came away feeling hungry for that kind of heart transformation that she described. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's how the Holy Spirit builds his church. It's not about us trying harder, putting more effort into what we do into our friendships. It's about a heart change where the Holy Spirit puts the love of God inside of us that just has to get out. And we find ourselves doing things that surprised us. So to draw things to a close, how do we do this? How do we pursue fellowship with the Holy Spirit and in turn with one another? I want to talk about two things, uh, two ways that we can do this. Number one, uh, we talk to him. And number two, we make him comfortable. So number one, we talk to him. Um, quite simple, doesn't need a lot of explanation, this one. Um, we talk to the Holy Spirit. Um, Mike Bickle puts it like this. He says, we walk in the Spirit to the degree to which we talk to the Spirit. That sounds like a simple thing, but, um, but often I forget to do it, to actually share with him what's going on for me and then give time for him to speak, to listen back to what he might be saying, what he might be nudging. And when we look at the book of Acts, when we look at the journey that those apostles and, and the early Christians took, it was not possible if they weren't in conversation with the Holy Spirit. How did they know that he was forbidding them to go to a certain place if they weren't in conversation with them? How did they know where he was leading them if they weren't in a conversation with him? And I believe the Holy Spirit is inviting us into that conversation this morning just to start talking and not just in the moments that we set aside to be with him, our quiet times or Bible study or whatever it might be. But when you're powering up your laptop in the morning before you start work and about to check your barrage of emails or whatever it might be, or when you're choosing what to watch on Netflix or when you're washing up, or maybe when your two-year-old has woken up for the third time that night, are those the moments when you're inviting the Holy Spirit in and thinking, Holy Spirit, what would you do in this moment? What would you say? in this moment. So that's number one, talk with the Holy Spirit. The second thing I wanna talk about is make him comfortable. And I would summarize it like this. We make the Holy Spirit comfortable by letting him comfort us. I'll explain what I mean by that. We can make the Holy Spirit comfortable or uncomfortable in our lives. It says in uh, 1 Thessalonians that we can quench the Holy Spirit. And it says in Ephesians that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And I believe we quench the Holy Spirit when we shut him down, when we shut down his leading and stop him working in us. I believe we grieve the Holy Spirit when we live inconsistently with who he's called us to be. Um, he lives inside of us. If we're born again, if we're children of God, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we can be a good host of the Holy Spirit or we can be a bad host. Imagine you have someone living with you in your house. You're hosting someone. And they come to you one morning and say, hey, I want to bless you today. I want to cook you a meal. Tell me what your favorite food is. I'll go out and get the ingredients and I'll, I'll make it for you tonight. And you say, great, that'd be fantastic. And they go out and they go to great lengths to find all the right ingredients. And they come back with their bag of ingredients ready to prepare the meal. And, uh, and they walk in the door and you're already there in the kitchen preparing dinner. How would they feel? They'd feel shut down. They'd feel like you were preventing them from doing what they wanted to do. Imagine if that happened again and again and again, day after day. How would they feel? I feel like we can be the same to a degree with the Holy Spirit. 
I think one of the main ways that I do this, that I quench or grieve the Holy Spirit in my life, um, is by doing everything I possibly can to live within my comfort zone. Not stepping out when I need to, opting out of doing something difficult, maybe you know, challenging someone or having a conversation I know that I need to have, or maybe bringing a word when I feel like I'm uncertain, is this really God? Or maybe not wanting to pray for someone when I feel like God might be nudging me as, as Sam described. So one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to comfort us. That's part of his character. But if we're seeking after our own comfort, then we're preventing him from doing what he loves to do. I used to think that God didn't want us to be comfortable. I used to think God wanted me to be uncomfortable because he kept asking me to do things that were uncomfortable. And I'd be like, God, why did you keep asking me to do things that are uncomfortable? But actually, God is passionate about our comfort, but he just wants us to be comforted by the supernatural comfort of the Holy Spirit and not the kind of comfort that we think we can provide for ourselves. The Holy Spirit thrives in situations of natural discomfort. And if we're going to pursue this supercharged friendship, this deeper relationship, I think we, we can guarantee we're going to be facing some discomfort in that process. If we're doing that, if we're uh, living in our comfort zone, then our relationships will probably start to look quite natural, quite normal. But if we're leaning into God and following the Holy Spirit's leading, then we're going to step into something more. So we make the Holy Spirit comfortable by following his lead and allowing him to comfort us. So how do we pursue this friendship? We talk to him and we make him comfortable. So just to return to Paul's words, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He said this is a blessing over a church that was in a difficult, tricky situation. You could say with COVID, we were in a similar difficult, tricky situation. But that blessing, that prayer still stands. And, and God is inviting us into the same communion, the same fellowship with himself and with one another this morning. So thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy. That was really great. The work of the Holy Spirit isn't down to me, but we get to be led and play a part in that. And I think that's a real invitation, a real encouragement and a real challenge for us. Are we going to try and do things out of our own strength? Or are we going to communion, spend time with the Holy Spirit, speak with and follow, follow him and not try and do things out of our own strength? It's a really good encouragement and, and challenge. Thank you, Jeremy. Right, okay, just before we finish, I've just got a few announcements. We've got First Tuesday prayer happening this week. Uh, that's 8 p.m. on Tuesday, and you can find the link in the weekly briefing. We're gonna, we're, we are inviting you to fast this week, and there's a video from Neil explaining why we do fast so can we share that now morning everyone uh, this morning i just want to talk about how we're going to prepare for our time of prayer on tuesday night jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it his job is to build the church but he's designed us to be a hell invading force we're at war and as a people at war, 
God has called us to fight with weapons. But 2 Corinthians tells us that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Uh, On the contrary, they have divine power to tear down strongholds. God's called us to be those that are equipped and ready to tear down strongholds. Jesus said, those that have faith the size of a mustard seed can speak to mountains and expect to see them uh, thrown into the heart of the sea. What are the things that God's calling us to pray into this month? What are the things that God's putting on your heart that you want to see moved? I'm not going to list things this morning. I just want to talk about how we're preparing our hearts. One of the tools that we can use is the tool of fasting. Fasting is is key because it's about when our spirit uh, gets a hold of our body and it says, uh, body, I want you to get in line with what God is calling me to do. Now, we have to be careful when we fast because... Although scriptures talk a lot about fasting, Jesus fasted regularly, his disciples fasted, sometimes they feasted, but they it's a regular thing, it's a regular discipline, it's something which if Jesus did it, then of course we would need to do it. Fasting is about pressing into him, but it is easy to get wrong. Isaiah 58 uh, verses two, verse, starting at verse 2 says this, God says, for day after day, talking of his people, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what's right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for decisions and seem eager to come near, for God has come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife, and you're striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Fasting is more than going without food. He doesn't just want us to be skipping meals. God's plan for fasting is it's a thing that allows us to, to press in to him. And if you do choose to go without food this month on Tuesday... I'd really encourage you to do something positive to press into God. Fasting is about obedience, not performance. Fasting comes from the heart, not an external constraint. I'm encouraging you to fast, but don't fast because I'm encouraging you. Fast because you are choosing to do this to get near to God. God is constantly listening to our prayers. He's as close as our next breath. Fasting doesn't twist God's arm, but it does allow our spirit to get more in tune with him and to fight with the enemy. I'd encourage you to think about how you can fast without making it really apparent to others. The Bible's really clear that what we do uh, when we when we do things in secret has far more power uh, by doing things in secret. When we go to the room, uh, go to our room and we close the door and we pray, when we fast and we uh, put oil on our faces, the Bible says, I'm not sure why you put oil on your face, but basically to stop yourself looking sort of 
really haggard and worn because you're going without food hide the fact you're fasting because you're not trying to do it to look good you're trying to do it you're doing it in order to press into god be prepared for a battle uh, and my experience the younger i've been uh, the harder it's got as i've got older it's got easier um, and i do believe that it's something which god teaches us as a discipline start with what you can do and use the free time to focus on him god wants us to be ready on tuesday to pray mountain moving prayers what prayer is he going to give you that moves a mountain great some more information about uh, tuesday prayer can be found in the email briefing just a reminder as well that the next Finding Solutions course starts tomorrow at 8pm, I think. And this is for people who have questions about life and maybe want to explore them. Uh, questions like anything from how do I forgive to making new friends or how do I deal with depression? All these kind of questions will be explored in Finding Solutions. And it's a real great opportunity um, to invite friends along to come and explore who might be more interested in finding out things. So the information for that is also in the weekly briefing and everybody is invited to that. So you can find the information for that in the briefing. There is an opportunity to receive prayer if you would like someone to stand with you in prayer, if you'd like to just speak with someone. And again, the link for that is also in the weekly briefing and that the prayer room will be open as soon as this meeting ends. So you can just go in there and someone will stand with you in prayer. So we're going to bring the meeting to a close now and we're going to end with breakout rooms. So an opportunity to say hello to each other. And if you are new or visiting, someone will greet you. So if we can do that now and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.